Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode two of the Gobbler Country podcast, where today we'll take do a preview of Virginia Tech Hokies week one game against Boston College. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Manning. This is John Schneider, and we're here this second podcast to talk about that game, the game, the most important game of the season. Why? Because this is an entirely new old team. Does that make any sense? It sounds sort of weird, but it is. It's a completely rebuilt team with mostly the same players as finished out last season. Today we'll look at the we'll look at BC on both sides of the ball. We'll look at key matchups for the Hokies against BC, how the Hokies can win. We'll also do a prediction to wrap up today's show, and we'll also probably, well, John, maybe not me so much, complain about the ACC Network. Uh, they deserve all the complaints we can give them. So... As you can see, I'm a DirecTV customer, and he's not. So. No, I'm I'm a Comcast customer, and I am Comcasted. But we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. The first thing we're going to talk about is, and the most critical thing, are two matchup key matchups in this football game. And Brian and I have sorted through what we see, and there are going to be two really critical key matchups in this football game that are going to di- dictate whether the Hokies win or lose. The first key is the matchup between the Hokies' front defensive seven. That means all four defensive linemen, both linebackers, and whoever is assigned as the rover or the whip, probably the whip because it's heavier, uh, and containing A.J. Dillon, stopping him hopefully, and dealing with the offensive line of the Boston College Eagles. We know who Dylan is. Everybody knows who Dylan is. Everybody who faces him is really thinking about A.J. Dillon. But remembering that the offensive line is 85% of the running game, maybe we'll give him 80% because Dylan is Dylan. One good, what we got? One thing about Boston College, they typically always had pretty good offensive line play. But this season, they're replacing 60% of their offensive line, including Chris Lindstrom, who was an All-American and high NFL draft choice. And they, they do return starters on the right side of their offensive line at right tackle, Ben Petrula, who was an honorable mention All-ACC player, and at right guard, John Phillips. But the, the center, which is Alec Lindstrom, Chris's younger brother, and the left side are completely new. So maybe that's a positive for the Hokies there. But, there, but one thing, we, as we talked about in the depth chart podcast, 
this is a really big group, just like the Hokies offensive line. This is a really big group, and we know the Hokies have some size issues up up front. So Yeah, okay, one-on-one matchups are probably still going to be an issue. I can't see – look, beef is beef. And if, 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 you, if you have dancing bears in, in the uh, line of scrimmage and you have A.J. Dillon behind it, the offense wins. The, the defensive line for Virginia Tech has to be decisive. It has to fill holes. It has to shut down the avenues of, of cutback approach that Dylan, you know, Dylan is a very slashing runner. He goes, he, he's not one cut and go. He can, he can stop. He can put his head up. He can change directions. He can throttle down and throttle back up again. So, and he is really hard to take down. You got to gang tackle the guy. He is big and fast and he's shifty, which is, you know, he's going to get drafted. There's, there's no doubt about it. A.J. Dillon is probably on every – the top of – I bet you he's first – he might be the first running back in at least the first or second round in a while because he's that good and there are enough def- – there are enough uh, NFL teams that are going to want him. A.J. Dillon is a legit Heisman contender, six foot, 250 pounds. He's he's fast. He's strong. He breaks tackles. He runs over people, and, and they, they're – their backup is is six one two forty, so yeah, you're not, not really getting a break there. It's going to test those tackles, tacklers. Caleb Farley and those guys better be ready to tackle. And and the one thing, okay, now the one thing Adazio has is a fairly conventional running game. Maybe that's going to work to our advantage because Bud Foster's defensive schemes have always been. Uh, really brutal on unconventional running game unconventional running games where they've been brutally bad i should say is against unconventional running games yeah and like you said this is a, a conventional team and i think the one the one aspect on their offense their, their quarterback anthony brown he's experienced he started 22 games passed for 20 touchdowns last last fall he, he doesn't scare me He's no. extremely relied on the run game. You, you, if you can limit him in the run game and put the game in his hands, the Hokies will win this one big. Well, he can run. I remember him breaking away a couple of times, breaking it. But he's a scramble runner. It's not on purpose. It's because he had no other options. Yeah. I don't think he has more than two reads. I, I, at least I don't remember last year him having to make more than two reads. But I don't think he really can check down and hold the ball and pick through traffic. I think – it's if something doesn't develop, then he either throws it away or gets what he can. So what we're going to run into is with him is coverage sacks. Can we take away his receivers if they throw the ball? Here's the deal. A.J. Dillon can catch. And we got murdered on short underneath passes, screens, and what I call a cl- cropped wheel route where, where Dillon would flare out just past the line of scrimmage and get a ball and f- basically dump to him. It's almost like a pitch, but he'd be out in space and Dylan out in spaces. I actually think that I, the last year, these teams played on the first Saturday in November, BC one in Blacksburg, 31, 21, AJ Dillon didn't really kill him. I mean, he had 96 yards, which is a good game, a touchdown, but he worked for those yards, 24 carries, 96 yards, four yards per attempt. It was the, the backup at the time, Travis Levy, who had seventy-five yards and two scores, he was the kind of one that kind of the one that broke the game open. 
Levy was more of a of a an a athletic back than than him, and so that that's the. I, I think last year, and this is what this is what we'll talk about in the other key matchup segment coming up here. We're we're looking at. I think this defense can stop Dylan, or at least slow down and mash up Dylan. So we've got last year's game. Uh, AJ Dylan, we held him in check, sort of. I mean, we, he got one touchdown. He got what ninety-two yards. You were saying he ended up being uh, pretty good. But he was controlled. Why did we lose by 10 points? Well, number one, they threw a wrinkle at us, and we weren't good at adjusting. Last year, we were not good at adjusting. Sorry, we just didn't do the adjustment thing very well. And everybody knows, everybody complains about it. And that was, they have that secondary back that we didn't account for, who did really well against us. The other thing that we didn't do in adjusting was, I think seven points ahead, Brad Cornelson came out in the second half and shut the offense down. Whether he was uncomfortable with something, whether he didn't trust what he was seeing or what was going on, Brad Cornelson stopped calling aggressive plays and he decided to try to run the ball. Yeah, last year the problem with the team was they could not run the ball against BC, they 36 carries, 111 yards, 3.1 per attempt. Ryan Willis was a leading rusher of 49 yards, so that tells you what they got. They got next to nothing out of the running back position. And uh, Quincy Patterson had 10 yards, so it, it, was a, it was a ridiculous effort there. And he, it, but he, he passed the ball well. It was 25-42, 281, three scores. So I think, I think that's – as we transition over to the BC defense, this is a – there's plenty of matchups to exploit for the Hokies here as the secondary is entirely brand new for them, except uh, Brandon Sebastian, who started seven games last year at corner. The rest of the secondary is new. Yeah. So in the second segment of this, we are going to go over the second matchup, which is where we're leading. And that is we have our offense and our offense is different concept than we're used to seeing and BC's defense, their secondary is another brand new unit. Their defensive line is fairly new too. So we're going to see something interesting happen. And that's, we have a chance to score points. We'll be back. As we pick up back, looking back at the matchup of BC's defense against the Hokies' offense, we pick back up in the secondary. As, as, as I was saying earlier, the secondary is completely revamped as, as the Eagles have three new starters. The one starter that is returning was is a redshirt sophomore, Brandon Sebastian, who made seven starts last year, struggled at times. And the entire rest of the secondary is brand new. And the, the, the front seven, they lost their best player in Zach Allen. They have one starter returning up on the defensive line, who's a and Tanner Carafa, a defensive tackle. And but their, their their strongest spot is their linebacker positions. So both outside backers, Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson, are probably the best players on that defense. Yeah, um, and on our offense, we have, of course, the as our kind of little uh, depth chart review showed, we have at least six receivers that we can move in and out of the formations. Uh, 
We can move on, on and off the field. All of them have slightly different capabilities. All of them have really sticky fingers. All of them are willing to go up for balls. We have two tight ends probably going to be with that defensive line. I figure that those two tight ends are going to both be on the field together. I cannot see both Dalton Keene and James Mitchell not being on the field. I just can't, I cannot fathom any sort of, okay, I might be wrong. They might put, they might put somebody else out there. You might see Gallo out there. I, I don't see Gallo out there unless it's garbage time. These so, and I don't think it's going to be garbage time in this game. The, these offenses are contra- contrasting styles. You have BC who, who starts um, two tight ends where the Hokies start three receivers. But as we know, the Hokies will play multiple two tight end sets this year. And so with the Hokies, the best strategy for me is is to to attack that secondary. Let's go right after the secondary, force them to have to cover too many people. You have, like I said, on the field, if you have the two tight ends, if you have an H back and a tight end, and the three wideouts, or actually two wideouts in a slot, then you have one running back, you'll probably hold the running back to help. It's either going to hold the running back to help with blocking or hold the H back back that block. And of course we all know Dalton Keene can level guys and he loves blocking. So that's, that's kind of cool, but that is going to be the key matchup. We're going to have people downfield. We're going to have people in the midfield and we're going to have people back close to the quarterback. you got a quarterback who can run, and you got a quarterback who's confident in the fact that his receivers will go up and catch the ball for him. So I don't know if BC matches up very well against what could be our offense. And I always say could be, is we could fun, fall right back in the same hole we were before. It's too often teams use the, the run to set up the pass, which is kind of an antiquated approach now. So with the Hokies, what they have, they need to they need to be attacking downfield, then get the running game well, going. As my son says, and you Probably heard him more times. Than one. Running the ball is tremendously inefficient now. It is. It, it if it's okay. The winner of a football game is who scores the most points per minute of possession. If you possess the ball three quarters of the game, but only score three touchdowns, and the other guy holds the ball for a quarter of the game but scores six touchdowns, you, you, yeah, possession does not get you a win. Possession gets you, oh, yeah, you held the ball that long. So the, 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 old, the old saw of I don't need a defense if I score enough touchdowns is probably very accurate in modern football. As we discussed last year's game, Willis was really good last year against BC, so I would, I would be attacking – with Hazelton and Turner on the outside early and often, try to get those tight ends on the field, create some mismatches in the middle of the field, open things up deep, then worry about the running game later. Uh, and with the way these two running backs run, McLeese is much better. Okay, they're, they keep saying, oh, McLeese has to get better up the middle. or, or And then you've also got, besides McLeese, you're probably going to see a little, a, a few of the other running backs salted in. You know how it is. The, the big complaint about Fuente and Cornelson has been the running back by committee charge, which, okay, is fair. 
he does run a running back by committee. So if you're the starting running back, that really doesn't mean you're going to be the finishing running back. Right. It seems like he likes to go with the hot hand, which which at times last year, McLeese was the hot hand, and then he disappeared. And yeah. it's not McLeese's fault. So I, no. there were some things there to last year that, that I didn't quite understand in the, his running back rotation. Hopefully we, he's yeah, adjusted okay. that approach. You know, at this point, um, they're going to be experimenting. They have to. They don't have a choice. They're, even though they, these kids have played, a whole, most of them have played a whole season. They played a whole season – in a very difficult situation. Now they have the ability to recycle and restart. So now they're going to be playing a whole season in, in presumably a situation that the coaches feel more comfortable controlling. And you and I both know that the control in a football team at the college level is on the sideline. It's not on the football field. That's, that's right. So, as we sort of come to the end of this, we, we, we talked about the matchups. Let's talk about the, the nitty gritty. What, what do we got? They're going to ask us, what, what, is, what is it? What are you going to do? What are you going to predict? Are you going to put it on the line? Are you going to, are you going to kind of move, as we used to say in the old days, mook out and, 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 and equivocate? Um, I'm going to let you go first. I have my opinion, and you'll hear it in a second. Well, we know in, in, in years past, the Hokies have struggled at in Chestnut Hill over the years. and But I think this year, you, these teams are really hard to predict because there's a lot of youth on both teams. But in, in the, what the, the spot that worries me is is the Hokies' front seven against that BC running game. That, that concerns me. What I'd like to see is the Hokies get the ball first, go down and score, make BC play catch up and they're, they're not the team, type of team that can play catch up. So if I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go with the Hokies 31, 24. Um, I can't disagree with too much of that analysis. Um, you and I have been doing this together for a couple of years now. It's been one of those things that um, you see things, you know, things you don't know things. That's the big problem. Is you don't know things. Uh, I see that that we are looking straight into a mirror, and that mirror is the uh, the BC game from last year. As a matter of fact, we started out that way. The BC game last year, we started out moving the ball, we started out throwing, we started out great guns, we started moving. We got fourteen points up on the board. We were dominating everything. They barely scored a touchdown. We were we were just ahead of everything. And in the second half came out and I don't know who came out of the locker room, but it wasn't the Hokies that started the football game. If we beat that. And then I say, if, because it's always an if with me, I'm a computer guy. Ifs are important statements. If we beat that impulse and we go ahead and light the afterburner and we go after them and we go hard, I think the Hokies could score as much as 42 points. I really do. So I don't know if they are going to, um, because I'm not going to discount the fact that BC is going to stay rear up and try to do something, anything to stop them and score their own points. So I think we're looking at uh, uh, a Virginia Tech win. I think that the wise guys are giving, uh, giving us four points there, four and a half points. 
I think that that's a little bit little bit short, but it is a it is a um, home game for uh, at Chestnut Hill. I'll 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 stick close to you pretty much and say uh, it's the Hokies forty five. Uh, or thirty, maybe thirty. Well, we'll go thirty-five. Hokies thirty-five and BC seventeen, uh, maybe twenty-four if they get that last touchdown. So, the next question is, where are you going to watch it? I had a feeling I'm going to try to find a place like Sharkies or or somebody that, that, that doesn't have Dish that's running Direct TV. I think uh, the seller actually runs Direct TV. So I might be down at the cellar for the game. Well, you can always uh, stream the game on Watch ESPN or the ESPN app. Yes, I've got, and, I, and, I'll, and, and it'll be just like watching old ESPN3 again, won't it? That's right. So uh, the next podcast up will be uh, our adventure after the football game. Uh, this won't be live from the stadium. This, this will be our first adventure in, in Brian and me. Uh, doing this remotely with each other online. So uh, everybody have a good one. Go Hogies. See you next week.